This is the Kick Aspirational Podcast. Uh, we are here live in Vanderhalla, and um, I'm with my favorite daughter-in-law, Danica Patrick. This is a. This is a. <laughs> no one knows what that means. It's an inside joke, but I'm. I'm so excited. And you're not Danica. in on it. Yeah, <laughs> we're the only two who are in on it tonight. Danica, how are you doing? Welcome to uh, Laguna Beach. What, what have you been up to today? Uh, wow, um, uh, touring the countryside uh, on the beach side, uh, really? as as you do when you're in this part of the world. Are you kind of a mountain girl? <laughs> I am. I'm a little bit more of a mountain than a beach girl, but it doesn't mean I don't appreciate the beach. Really? The beach is beautiful. Well, you're we just saw down... some beautiful beach today. We, who's we? Uh... We as in me and my spectacular boyfriend. Really? Yeah. What's his name? Your son. <laughs> Kingsley Vanderbeek. What did you name him? <laughs> oh, man. So you guys were checking out. Were you, uh, you were looking around today um, for some, some vacation spots, possibly? Yeah, you know, just uh, we like to... Explore the countryside. Always be in the best place possible at the right time of year. And so, I don't you know, want to give anything away here. But, you know, uh, we're just trying to make sure that we're at the right place at the right time. So right now you're mainly living between Arizona and, and Green Bay. Is that right? right? Yeah. And, uh, and Danica, you've... Now, I should have started here. The Kick Aspirational Podcast is all about helping people break through barriers in their life, do more than they thought they could. I've never done that, so... <laughs> no, exactly, right? <laughs> you're, a, you're a powerful, strong woman. Um, you've been a race car driver, obviously, for a long time. I think people know this. How did you get into race car driving? Because you're like, you're elfish. You're like a, you're uh, a, a yes, strong... Yes, I'm below average height. Yeah, but you're also strong and like, you kicked my oh, butt Oh, like in... ant strength with elf height. <laughs> That's okay, <laughs> Dad. It's fine. Yeah. I'm yours, so... Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, this is actually a confusing my, podcast for my, a lot of Yeah, it is right probably now. confusing. Too much inside jokes, but yeah. look, it's fine. Um, <laughs> so, um, it seems your son is watching some TV in the other room. <laughs> no one can hear it. It's in the background. This okay. is the direction of light. Um, so, so you, you're, you're a race car driver. So, you asked how I started racing. How'd so, you get into it? Uh, well, my sister wanted to race go-karts. And I just didn't want to get left out. So Older or younger? Uh, she was eight and I was ten. Wow. So, she's younger. And um, so there was somebody in her sister? grade. Did I what? Did you have a complex? Did you always want to beat her at sports and things? Were no, I, I just want to beat everybody. <laughs> she um, wasn't special. Yeah, like there would be times where, let's say the phone would ring, and we're sitting on the couch, and I'd say, you know, three, two, one, race to the telephone to go pick it up. But I would never leave, and she would run. And I would have won <laughs> because I didn't want to go get the phone anyway. So I was always, you know, always competitive. Um, but it was really just something where, you know, my sister wanted to do it. It was a way to spend time together as a family. My dad raced when he was younger. My mom and dad met on a blind date at a race. And so it was Wait, always in the family. At Not your race, at somebody else's race. Uh, yeah, yeah, that wouldn't make sense. But, um, but you know, just a couple of years before... Uh, yeah, they met at a snowmobile race when they were in their 20, like early 20s. And wait, so. wait, where were they racing snow? Where was somebody racing Somewhere snowmobiles? Somewhere in Wisconsin or Minnesota or Canada. So you were growing up where? I grew up, I was born in Wisconsin, which, you know, of course, Aaron is, um, you know, proud of. And I'm not because I grew up in Illinois. So um, that's just a Wisconsin-Illinois joke. A little joke. rivalry there. <laughs> Wisconsin-Illinois joke. But, so you didn't um, grow up a Packers fan. I was I was born in Beloit, Wisconsin, but we grew up 
in South Beloit, Illinois. Okay. So uh, it was just the... Does the, Beloit go across the border? It was the closest hospital. Wow. So, yeah. So I grew up in Illinois and, um, yeah, just started racing go-karts when I was when I was uh, 10 and my sister was 8. And turned out that I was pretty good at it. And my sister stopped doing it in the first year. And then my mom did it for a while. Whoa. And that was a disaster because... My dad was very passionate, and um, there was a lot of tearful rides home in the car because... You beat your mom? No, she was in the different ad- age category, okay. so she was in the seniors <laughs> um, at 34, um, but I was not, and, uh, you know, just uh, my dad is, you know, he's a very passionate person, and so, so a lot of uh, a lot of, a lot of questions about why didn't you do this, why didn't you do that? And oh, wow. Which, so your dad was coaching your mom? He was definitely coaching my mom. Was he coaching my you? Son. Oh, yeah, for sure. There were times where I came off the track and, you know, he'd be like, why didn't you tune the carburetor? Are your fingers broken? And I'm, you know. So you were, ra- you were not just, you weren't just going to a track with random carts like K1. You were actually racing your own cart. Oh, yeah. At a professional level like that, which is not like you're getting paid, but, um, you know, you're, uh, you're definitely um, racing cars that are prepared by someone in your camp. Okay. They're not just like, you show up and they're all there. Right. It's not like random, like kid's birthday. This is like serious go-kart racing. Yeah. And much faster too. And so did you guys actually have your own garage and your own carts sort of thing? Or did it start with like a camp where you would go and you'd tune your cart and then you'd race like one design and then you'd move into like your own cart? No, totally just jumped in the deep end. So it was, um, my dad actually did build a garage, um, on, on, like on, in our, in our property. So it was in Beloit, Wisconsin? In South, actually, we're in Roscoe by this point. We moved up in the world. Roscoe is about five thousand people that live in that town. Wow. Um, Great, great, great public school though. So, um, so, but what's what's the mascot for Roscoe? uh, Actually, you know what? The it was the Prairie Hill Devils. Whoa. Prairie Hill like, Devils. Who would name? Who yeah. would have the Devils as their mascot? Well, if you're Prairie Hill, probably a little slow, so you you pick the Devils. But Spice then the, it up. But high school was the Hananiga. Hananiga. Excuse me. Yep, exactly. We're not supposed was, to use that word anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Let me speak into the microphone with the my with my good ear. Hananiga what? Hananiga Indians, oh, which is also fits not perfectly to use that because I'm slightly American. I'm just got like that sliver of Native American of Native American in me. So yeah. I'm. You know, so then we were the the uh, the Indians, oh. <laughs> but we were the Devils first. <laughs> you went from the Prairie Hill Devils to the Hananiga Indians. That's right. I mean, you know what? You know what's great about America is we're not afraid to offend everyone. And um, <laughs> God bless, God bless both of those uh, schools. And you know and what mascots. else in America? We're not afraid to be offended. No, I mean, <laughs> you know what? Times progress. We all progress with it. And uh, at that time, it made a lot of sense. Today. Today, uh, why you know, couldn't we have just been like the Prairie Hill companions? You know, puppies. <laughs> yeah, the puppies. Yeah, Everybody the loves dogs. a puppy. The Prairie Hill Prairie. Yeah, that's a little Prairie Hill prairies, dogs. But yeah, something like that. Mm-hmm. So you were Next you time. were by the time you were a an Indian, you were what were you racing at that point? Uh, so Going if I was carts? an Indian, I was um, I was racing go karts, yeah. and then when I was uh, when I was a junior. My the first half of that semester, I was gone. I was I was in school for a month. I left for two months, and then I was back for the last month of the first semester of junior year, uh, because I moved to England and raced. And so how I did, how did and that then happen? I and then I pulled out of high school my junior year, and I was done. So how did you go from? And I have my GED, so I'm not really a huge advocate for go to school. 
No, I mean, you didn't need to. You were doing your own thing. School is kind of an adjunct School's to your whole School is a holding program. period until you know what you want to do, and I, I knew what I wanted to do. So you were, I mean, we're, we're flying through this, and I love it. So you're in Wisconsin at this point, and you go to England, is that right? I know you keep trying to put me in Wisconsin because of Aaron, in Illinois, but I was, in, I was in Illinois. Okay, all right. You were a Bears fan? <laughs> we don't talk about okay. that anymore. <laughs> so you're in Illinois. How did you get from Illinois to England for your, your kart racing? Good question. Um, so when I was 14, I went to the Indianapolis 500, and I went to this suite of this wealthy man, and there was a British guy at the bar, and yes, I was at the bar at 14 um, in this suite, and I'm sure I was drinking kitty cocktail. And I was asking a lot of questions, and he said I could learn more in five year, learn more in one year in England than five years in America. And I just remember hearing that. And then two years later, they contacted me and said, "Hey, we've been following your career, wow. um, and we'd like to meet with you." So I was 16 then, and I remember it was a rainy, horrible day, and we weren't even going to go. And then I was just like, you know, my both my dad and I were we, we tend to just do the right thing. Yeah. So even though we weren't feeling up for it, we were like it was a four it was four hour drive, you know, just just there oh and then four hours back. So um so anyway, so we um so we drove down there and we sat and we met with them and you know, for a few hours and ended up driving home, but they said that, you know, we'd like you to come race in the series and we're gonna help you and so uh, fast forward to the summer because that was May. Um, you know, a couple months later, I went over there and tested a car. Did you go with your parents, or you just went solo? I went with my dad. Okay. Down to this meeting, and then when I went to England, I can't remember. I think I went. Maybe my dad or mom went, but maybe I went solo. I can't even remember. I was in England so much of the time by myself, and so um, I went over in the summer for a test, and then went over for the winter series and the at the end of '98, and then. Uh, Went over for the full series in the Formula Vauxhall series in 99, and then Formula Ford in 2000. And then uh, at the end of 2000 was when I did really well and got um, second at the Formula Ford Festival. What were you racing Out of 100. Then? It was, they were open wheel cars, but no wings. Okay. And so, and then, uh, you know, it was the best finish for an, an American ever in the race, and um, obviously for a girl. So and you're racing all open wheel at this point. You're all, not in yep. not into NASCAR or any of those right, sorts of nothing. things. I mean, NASCAR no. is obviously not. But I England. did know that NASCAR was on its way because um, there was a track that went in. If I'm trying, I'm trying to remember now. I'm like pulling. I'm 37 now, so I'm trying to like pull from like ancient times. Um, so this is like 20 years. You ago. can relate out there, right? Um, yeah, I, I can relate. I'm much it older was, than you. Uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the track, but I remember thinking hell. Ha- Hell has frozen over because there's an oval track in in England, wow. which is like the home of Formula One and right, so road doing... course racing and yeah. So so, what, so so tell me about the track. So oval track is like what you would see in typically like a NASCAR. I mean, they say it's four corners, but it's most ovals are two, which is just one end and the other, right? right? Um, then and, there and... are some proper four corner tracks, like the Indianapolis 500. Like Indianapolis is four corners. There's turn one. There's a short shoot. There's turn two. Back straightaway. Turn three. Short shoot. Turn four. But in open so, wheel, you're racing, you have a different track. You have like more so turns, right? So for road right? course racing, yeah. it's multiple turns and you're going right. left and right. And some of them have straightaways, some of them have hairpins, chicanes, all kinds of stuff. So What's a chicane? Uh, that's a quick like left, right or right, left. So like if you're at the Monte Carlo Grand Prix and you're at the swimming pool, there's a chicane in front of the swimming pool, right? Um, or is that just like a, an S? Like a yeah, that I think that's like a carousel. Maybe they would call. I, I I'm like 
Yeah, I, yeah. I don't have... Well, here's the problem. Monaco is like on in the morning and I would be racing either, you know, right, right, 500 right. or I was racing Sorry. Coke 600. So yeah. it's like a weird time of day. So and I, you and racing, I actually you've have never, You haven't raced F1, right? Or have I have you? never raced okay. F1, you've but raced I Indian actually... NASCAR. I've been to Monte. I've been to Monte Carlo. I've been to Monaco for uh, a music video with uh, Jay Z. Oh, cool. well, that's actually maybe the best reason to go to Monaco. Yeah, it's actually pretty yeah. cool. So I I've been in Monaco, but never part, for a music video with Jay Z. I did drive part of the track for that. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Well, you can drive the track in normal daylight hours. Yeah, it's yeah. the street. I mean, right? yeah. actually, we were driving um, just the other day. Uh, Aaron and I were driving through a tunnel, and I'm like. Now imagine you're going like 190 <laughs> miles an hour, yeah. and you know you're you, you the the tunnel is obviously going by pretty quick. I think we we're in New York, and I'm like, imagine you're going like this fast, and you're racing each other. So, right. um, yeah. So, so you go from Illinois, Wisconsin, to Illinois, Illinois to England. You become a top Vauxhall racer. Uh, so it's just open wheel racing, no wings. Mm-hmm. And then what's the next progression from there? Like, I mean, by the way, how is this working? So you're like a female racer. Are there other female racers? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's other girls, a race, little, little bit, ladies you know, racing here and there, but not, not a lot. It's not, not common. Um, so, I mean, the, the idea is that when you're over there, you're going from, you know, low level open wheel to high level, which is formula one. So, you know, you're, you're, wait, you're, you're working through the progress and you know, the channels of it. So you're open wheel with no wings and open wheel with wings. And then, you know, and, and what are wings? Well, they're the they're the flat plank things on the front and the back of a car that um, act. They keep you down. They so like an airplane has wings on the side. Right. These are like these are wings on in the middle of the car, and they hold you on the ground. So like they're downforce. I remember like a like in Porsches, they have these tail wings that some, like in a GT3 they have they'll have a tail wing on top mm-hmm. of the car is that the same yeah, kind of idea yeah yeah, yeah. so does it keep the nose down does it keep you well wherever the wing is it's going to keep that part down okay so it basically puts downward pressure yep on the on the yep. vehicle yep so you go from no wings to having wings so that's putting more pressure on the car so does that mean you can go faster as yeah, you're doing around turns? the corners especially does that put do you get more g forces at that point? Yeah, because as fast as the faster you can go around a corner, the more lateral load you, load you'll have. So. So does, does it become more physical? I'm guessing yeah. at that point. Yep. Especially with no power steering. Wow. And this, so that Indy to, cars never had power steering. They were always the most hard, most difficult things to drive. And you're, I mean, look, we've worked out. Uh, <laughs> Nate Robbie, who many <laughs> people say. Uh, is a fake college sportsman. Um, I'm joking. You guys were giving him a hard time at the Roth he conference. Is, uh, he is a poor college athlete. <laughs> that was awesome. Um, but Nate and I were working out with you and Sarah, my wife, and um, and some other friends, mm-hmm. the uh, yeah. er, uh, Eric and um, Sarah, Sarah yeah. the other Sarah. Uh, and you do these, like we were in Green Bay, you were, you were wanting to do a workout before the game. And, you know, I was thinking, oh, yeah, we'll do, a, you know, whatever workout you like killed us or at least me anyways um and imagine if you did full air squats all yeah. the way i mean i don't even know what air squats squats are <laughs> i mean i was trying to do okay so i've done 
Tabata where you do like 20 seconds on, 10, 10 seconds, seconds off. off. Yeah. You're doing like 60 seconds on Tabata. What is that called? Like super mega Tabata? Oh, that was a warm up, honey. That, that was, was a warm up. That was a. Don't you call me, honey. Those were those. That was that was what they would call an emom every minute on the minute. Emom. And so like, we, like were, a bad we, mom. Were, we we went through like three or four stations, like three or four three times or something like that. And so it was an emom where we went from like handstand hold. Yeah. By the to, way, never done handstand before. And then we're doing like handstand holds. You're doing like handstand push-ups. There I was think. some running on the treadmill. My God, it was it was uh, it was brutal. There's some. So you know. so the so there was a point where we're supposed to be holding these uh, kettlebells, doing squats for like 60 seconds, and then you called me out. You were like, "What'd you say?" You're like, "David, that's a terrible squat or something." I'm like, "Get yeah. down lower, drop your butt down." Come yeah, on. and then uh, and Nate I'm said to me, "I'm a bit of a drill sergeant." You you are very much for a drill sure. sergeant. Uh, uh, yeah. I posted then, something on Instagram and it was about lifting weights and people are like, don't bully me. I'm like, that's all I ever get told is I'm like a gym bully. Yeah, because you're but used I, to excellence and some of us are yeah, like trying to cheat excellence in the gym. So I was apparently not doing squats very well. You were saying, David, you're, you're not doing squats right. And How did then, that make you feel? Well, Nate said to me, Nate looks over at me, and he's also not doing squats probably perfectly. No, he's doing them terrible. He and has he, poor ankle flexibility. <laughs> he said to me, it's you're really only not cheating fault. yourself. And I was like, that's the only person I want to cheat right now. <laughs> Which is like a brilliant answer and so disappointing all at the same yeah, yeah. time. I disappoint myself on a regular basis. It's okay. I've been doing it for 50 years. Don't I, we all? Yeah, yeah. Don't we all? But no, you know what was great was like I was... I was so impressed with your workout and so unimpressed with my own abilities. It was Did it staggering. inspire you to make you want to, you know, uh, try things like that more often where yes. it's more interval based, more like, well, you know, intense, shorter, it more did. difficult. It did. No, I, I was like, and you know, so did you do any imagine, more of them? No, of course not. <laughs> but no, I was like, I was like, man, imagine if I did this all the time, I'd be so strong. And then, and then I was like, yeah, but then I'd have to do this all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and that's hard. And damn, I'm not, I'm not ready for that. Yeah. And I'm like 50. So and you're you like, know, I'm 50. So two herniated this and like you know probably it should probably that back is a off problem a bit. you know yeah. what i never encourage if anyone no, no, has an and injury that didn't give me any injury by the way that's my own fault thank god yeah. because most people think crossfit gives you injuries well for good reason so <laughs> no, no, sorry no it's, it's you're in great shape you're not the injured 35 pound barbell that you pick up exactly and i did and also it's your form and all those things i did not get injured that day we had a great time and um i learned a little bit about myself that i need to Get a little lower in my well, squats. Oh, oh, okay. Did you learn anything else deeper, like hmm. that more, more <laughs> introspective, more? David hates hates pain. <laughs> no. David hates pain. No, you know what? I actually, the cool thing about I played soccer in college. I like working out hard. I know that I don't work out as hard if I don't have a trainer or somebody pushing okay. me because I will cheat myself. I will, like I did that day. If I don't have somebody calling me out mm -hmm. and holding me accountable, I will. I, I need somebody. To, I'm not one of the. Do you work out regularly? I mean, are you asking that because I don't look like I do? Or? No, you. you, look, you <laughs> no, you're, I'm you people would aspire to look like you do. I love like to work out. No, it's uh. No, you know what? It's um. How many days a week do you work out? Well, I travel all the time, so you I do. Try. You. I mean, you. From our last vacation. You went we were to in, yeah we were in Austria Aust yeah and yeah. then you went to Australia and you went to Cabo By the way, and you went I mean you not were, a lot of people go from Austria to Australia that seems to be typically it's a confusion in countries it is it's in right fact there. like a yeah. like a like a difficult planning 
uh, trip because of so many common letters. Yes, and well, so when <laughs> my business partner, uh, if we, you're yeah, if you're drunk, especially. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, of course, Which I would never you, be. But you know, yeah. never. You're never yeah, drunk. Maybe occasionally. <laughs> but the uh, you know, I get festive. But the yeah, so you know, so anyways, long story short, I think yes, I do try and work out quite a bit um, mm-hmm. more than I used to. As I get older, it's harder to stay in shape. But the the thing that I've noticed is one, obviously, for you to be a successful race car driver in a progressively a more physical sport, you're going from open car, um, open wheel to I'm sorry, stock open cars. wheel, geez, mm-hmm. yeah, yep. open wheels sorry, to, to stock cars. Okay. Well, you, you, you're not you, supposed wait, to know. So did you go from open wheel to stock car, or did you want? You go from to mm-hmm. Indy first or mm-hmm. NASCAR first? Open wheel to stock car. Wow. And then stock car to stock car. Have and then steel? back to open wheel. And then back to open wheel. Because I did the Indy. Indy 500 after being gone for seven years. Wow. That was difficult. So you went from, did you go from England to NASCAR? So I went to England. I didn't race for about a year. Okay. And then I started racing like low level open wheel cars with wings. Where and was then, that? Uh, in America. Okay. Mm, um, and then a little bit in Canada. Canadian. And then, like, Vancouver, Toronto. Wow. And then, uh, so that was 2002. And then 2003 and four, I raced Formula, Formula Atlantic, which was, again, Mexico, Canada, and America. That was just... Was that, that was just where... No, that was the Champ Car Series. That was just where the, the, the series raced. Those were... That was just the series schedule. Um, so it was American-based. Mm. And then um, at the end of 2004, actually, it was 2004 media day at the Indy 500. And I was standing there just kind of like being a fly on the wall, just paying attention because the team that I drove for in, in Form Atlantic was racing Indy cars as well. And I was just standing there during media day on Thursday. And all of a sudden, my boss, Bobby Ray Hall, goes, and next year, Danica Patrick will be you know, racing in Indy cars. And I had not heard that yet, and it was wow. the first time, and I was like, holy sh- Jesus. And his name's Bobby Ray. Yeah, Bobby Ray Hall. Does everybody who Bobby Ray races Hall have is, two uh, names? Um, well, that is his first and his last name. <laughs> it's kind of like... <laughs> it's not like Ricky Bobby or something. It's, it's Bobby no, Ray. No, no, that's yeah. just a NASCAR. Yeah, um, okay. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no. Um, <laughs> is it true if you're not first, you're last? Uh, no, you can be second or third or fourth or fifth. You know, heck, you can be Shake and bake, sixth. Yeah, seriously. Um, but, uh, so Bobby Ray said, you're going to be in IndyCar. Yeah. He said, you're going to, you know, that I was going to race in the Indy 500 the next year. So, and then I almost won it that year. So. Were you excited about that? Of course. Yeah. yeah. Do you mind? Yeah, of course. Of course. And my agent How- did a good job of putting a, a great, great salary in there for me too. I was like, Oh my God, I'm so rich now. How do you change your training from, you know, if you're going from like open wheel, no wing to wing racing to NASCAR, to IndyCar, how does your training change? How do you get physically prepared for um, these different forms of I racing? I mean, for me, the most important thing was that I was always recovered when it came time to race. So my training was a lot less in IndyCar just because I, I didn't want to be sore at any point. But in NASCAR, it didn't matter. You just get the cars in, were yeah. easy to drive. Um, they were hot, so you needed to be really well hydrated, that kind of stuff. But, um, I mean, you did an IndyCar, too. But, How hot but, does it get in the cars? I mean, in, in NASCAR, I mean, those cars would get 140 degrees. Or, Do you have cooling suits or fans? So there's fan on your back, fan on your helmet that's, you know, piped in. Um, and then there's maybe a, there's a foot fan. Do you have cool, refreshing drinks being pumped into your uh, suit? Uh, there is a camelback 
and a hose that goes through my my helmet. That, is it mostly Coors Light, or are there other drinks? Um, no, actually, it was Bush. Oh. <laughs> yeah, Natty Light. No, so what do you what do you what are you drinking when you're in there? Are you doing like electrolytes, or is it just I, water? I varied. It was. Um, I'm sure this is definitely be right up your alley of like, what do you drink with excess? You know, you're like, well, hey. we, we have sports nutrition products. Yeah. You know, hydration is yeah. important, obviously, when you're doing sports. Yeah. yeah so what were, you, um, what were you doing? What was your what was your nutritional? Well, so tell me about from like, so, yeah, sorry. So like, how did your nutrition change and how did your hydration change as you developed? So, I mean, as far as racing goes and like what I had in my drink bottle, that went from in my IndyCar days, you know, I, I had a trainer that was also involved in baseball and he's like you know a little bit of protein goes a long way to Mm. kind of slowing it down in your bloodstream and keeping you going so but you know that you know i did that for a while so it was a little it was carbohydrate and protein most was probably like um, i think it was like 14 grams carbohydrate and six grams of protein per serving so almost Um, a 50 percent protein to carb ratio maybe a little higher carb yeah, higher carb. Um, but it still had some protein. And then moving forward, then I went into um, a rehydrate drink um, that was a powder that was pretty much just electrolyte and sugar. Um, and then I started getting migraines. And I was like, man, where is this coming from? And so I had only continuously cleaned up my diet. So you know, back in the IndyCar days, you know, I always think I'm as healthy as humanly possible every every day, right? Right. And then you learn more. So back in those days, I was eating, you know, you know, multi-grain bread and, you know, egg whites and, you know, all kinds of stuff Pretty that I thought was, stuff. you yeah, know, yeah. you'd think. But, you know, fast forward and then I take a blood test and it tells me I can't have gluten and dairy and, you know, all kinds of everything that I ate, basically, right. and so I. So you I, want so, to, so today you're gluten free, so dairy free. So I did. I removed gluten and dairy, and then I did that for about two years, and then I went paleo. Oh wow! So and paleo is what? Paleo then moves to the next level of cutting out beans and grains. Okay. So, so you're eating lean protein. It doesn't matter the protein, okay. lean or not. It doesn't matter. It's more bacon's um, cool. Bacon's fine. Um, so it was any kind of protein you wanted, vegetables, fruit, natural sugars. So you're thinking maple syrup, honey, maybe coconut sugar. Um, and, and that's about it. And, um, and so, you know, no, I mean, I was eating like no more oats. Oh, wow. No more, um, no more black bean, you know, anything. So no more beans, no more grains. And, um, and that's kind of how my diet progressed. And then is now, that what you eat today? Now I'm, you know, after a, a phase of watching slaughter videos on Instagram, <laughs> I'm I'm not so much on the meat, uh, but I still eat fish a little bit. So um, I just have it when it's available. I don't buy it really. Yeah. Um, so like tonight you had some. Fish. Yeah, exactly. And so, um, and you know, vegan proteins and vegetables and fruit. And I actually did make. I made. Um, I made a vegan t- vegan scramble the other morning, and I put uh, tofu and nutritional yeast in a blender and blended it up and put it in the pan and scrambled it. It took a little while to like dehydrate it to the point it looked like a scramble, yeah. but um, no, it didn't need water. It needed to get rid of the water. I mean, yeah, yeah. And uh, and so, um, but <laughs> I don't really eat very much tofu, but um, so I don't know. 
should I eat a lot of protein? I don't really know. Well, you seem we to were be talking well. about it earlier, actually, about yeah. how, um, uh, you know, from your homeland of, you know, the Netherlands, the Netherlands, that, you know, everybody's so damn tall and it's because they don't eat hate so much. us because we're beautiful. Well, it's just, you know what? It's jealousy is a terrible thing. But um, <laughs> but and you said it was because of so much protein, right? Well, yeah. So my theory is and it's or, you know, yes, it's a simple theory, theory here. Doctor. But, but yeah, I'm not I'm not. But so the Netherlands was Terps, which were little islands in a bog, basically. And then, it, you know, gradually land land's always been a scarcity in the Netherlands. And so when you think about how people live there, um, you you could raise you know like cows or pigs or things like that and so then you'd have to condense like you take milk and make cheese or you yeah. would like slaughter a hog or you'd you know eat beef but basically when you're in concentrated land you have a high density of protein in your diet because you can't typically grow a lot of grains or other types of things that people are doing for example in England or Ireland right um, for example when we're in Scotland if you go back a few hundred years. Um, the average person, the average serf working for a, a laird in Scotland was getting two gallons of beer a day and two loaves of bread a day to live on because everything was grain-based. Where when you're, living, when you're living in the Netherlands, everything's protein-based because you have to concentrate everything because of the land. You just don't have any land. So you're, you're, you're keeping wow. animals fresh until yeah. you slaughter them or you're using the, you're going, the milk yeah. and yeah. turning into some kind of you know, um, protein that you can, that you can store. And today, I mean, I'm making huge leaps in logic here, but today the okay. tallest people on earth are it's just, the Dutch. I mean, we can make whatever leaps we want. It's well, yeah, it's, it's, it's not real science, but, you know, I'm going to try. Um, the tallest people on earth are the Dutch, and I would argue that probably the reason that the Dutch have become so much taller than other European people's groups who live in the same vicinity isn't because God's Dutch, although he prob- she probably is, <laughs> Um, it's it's is probably it a he or a she. I mean, does it really? She probably yeah. God's a she. I mean, do you come think on, so? women women rule everything. Do you think that? Do you think that gender really? Do you think that it would break down to a he or she, or do you think it's more uh, omnipresent than that? Yeah, I think it goes beyond gender. I I joke about it. I think well, I love like in Hebrew, ruach, the breath of God, the Holy Spirit, is feminine, and I mean, if you just look up the Hebrew language, uh, ruach, the breath of God, is actually feminine. So I think I, I do like to Thank use the you. feminine at times. Thank you. Um, I think God is be- <laughs> way beyond gender. But the uh, but but what I, I guess what I'm trying to get to is, is basically I do believe that because the Dutch were eating such heavy protein diets and protein drives growth in the yeah. cells, right? If you if you get for example, if you ever get cancer, you want to scale way back on protein and sugars because. It tends sugars to drive. And eat, yes, you want to get away from it ex- carbohydrate. It accelerates. Sugars it accelerates car- cell yes, growth, it like right? feeds it. Yeah. Right. You want to stay with vegetables and fat and protein. Yeah, you just want to. Well, yeah, I mean, you want to get on a you complex s- carbohydrate, a high fiber, a diet that takes a lot more effort to, to process, right? Which is like complex carbohydrate pro- uh, diet typically. But um, so, anyways, I guess my simple theory is, and I. Th- you know, you can look it up and see if other people think the that same thing. You need thing. to keep eating cows. Is if you want to get tall or big or strong, you know, you eat a lot of meat, or, or it, it, it doesn't even have to be. Do you the, think that? Do you think that uh, plant proteins stand up to animal protein? Do you think there's? Do I you think, think there's ways to make do you that think work. They compare. Yeah, so I think um, so. One plant. You're kind pro- of in the nutritional world, so I feel a like little you're bit. Probably, like, yeah. So, you know. so my simple theory is that um, the easiest proteins to process are typically. For people who have good, you know, uh, gut health, 
you know, dairy and like, so whey proteins are the easiest for your body to right. assimilate. Um, they're the quickest digesting because they're more simple, simple base. They're not as So when your body is like, as, for example, if you've worked out and your body's trying to break down proteins to, to rebuild itself, if you have a whey protein, it mimics your muscle protein. So it's the easiest to rebuild in healthy people with a, with a broad based diet. I don't think it matters that much. Most of those studies have been based on, um, people that, that don't have full nutrition, I think these days, like we're doing a, a um, we have a we have a product called Excess Muscle Multiplier. We did with with Twin Labs. That's um, all nine essential amino acids. So when you think about how your body takes right. protein and turns it into lean muscle mass, so does it not matter if it's nine essential protein essential the 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 nine amino acids like that is what makes a complete protein. So does it matter what form you get it in? Well, so I think. I don't think the protein source matters. I think what matters is are you getting the essential amino acids when you're trying to digest and process those proteins. Mm -hmm. And to get those nine essential amino acids, you know, they don't occur naturally. So you've got to find ways to get them into your diet and add them to your diet. They Um, don't occur naturally? They Well, they, they don't occur naturally in your body. So you have to add them to your diet from one, you know, so there's different sources you can get them from. Okay. Um, But I think, you know, the key is having them in the right having the right amounts of those at the right time because you have an RDA chain, your ribonucleic acid chain, basically takes the protein, turns it into lean muscle mass, and you need all nine of those essential amino acids at the right time in the right order, just like a combination lock. And if you don't have them, it just slows down the process. So, for example, the excess muscle multiplier we have, and I'm not trying to do an ad for our product, but it accelerates you know, the, the protein synthesis, which helps you, especially as you age, create more lean muscle mass like you would and and get rid of body fat because you're not trying to store you know fats and carbohydrates uh, for, for later use so yeah I, I think it does matter that you have those nine essential amino acids at the right time in the right order i don't think you have to use our products i think you can probably get it other ways but our product makes it easy to have it at the right time and so when you when you have those essential amino acids i think you could use any protein source and get the same impact oh see so you need but isn't in a Aren't most all proteins complete with the amino acid chain? Well, um, most of them. I mean, if you're eating like so, chicken, according to Doctor Wolf, who's the guy we work with, uh, lean beef is the most ascent, is has the, the best um, amino acid profile. Okay. I, I think you can get it different ways, um, and you know, I think good vegetarians or vegans know how to yeah. eat the right things in the right combination to get that combination. But you have to actually right, know what you're doing. Right, because it's not the full. Then you yeah. need to add other elements to make a full. So it's so like mushrooms. There's a lot of different ways to get that. And I'm not an expert on any of that. Yeah. But I think, I think there are ways to do that without eating lean beef or, yeah. or other proteins, other animal proteins. But typically you need Good. to eat well, animal proteins. Good. Well, in my proteins. little vegan scramble this morning, yeah. I had... It's probably perfect. Uh, it was a mushroom... Uh, I put air quotes around this. Mushroom chorizo. <laughs> yeah. You know, we'll have to get... We should find... I mean, it's. I know you're like... By the way... Um, you're doing a lot right now with working out in, in kind of a, um, you're doing like a CrossFit uh, workout program. I have been for a while, yeah. Right. Yeah. And you have, you have a cookbook. What's your cookbook called? Well, I have a book called Pretty Intense. And in my book, <laughs> it's a three part, I mean, Weird. not a shock. You're pretty intense. Anyone that knows me. <laughs> um, so uh, it's a three part book and it's mind body, the first third of the book. And then there's kind of like a worksheet at each, at the end of each chapter. And there's five chapters. Um, and then the second part is about, um, 
fitness. And then there's a 12 week workout program, which I just did on Instagram on the pretty intense Instagram page. What's your Instagram by the way? Um, well, my name, Danica Patrick. And then, uh, I did, (laughs) I did, uh, I did the pretty intense program on pretty intense by Danica, um, on Instagram. So where can people find this book? Um, anywhere books are sold, you can buy it. Amazon. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And what, yeah. Do you have a website? Um, I mean, DanicaPatrick.com. And, Weird. And there's a prettyintense.com too. Um, That's awesome. So I did the program with, with, I did the program for the very first time all the way through. Even though I know I wrote it, I, I was writing it and testing it while doing other things too. So, you know, it was based on the style of working out that I had done that was the most sort of impactful of anything I had ever done, which is why I wanted to have the book. Um, but yeah, so it's, and then the last part is, um, the last third of the book is on food and why the diet is structured like it is, which is basically pretty, pretty much all paleo. Um, and then there's and again, recipes. Paleo, so you're eating lean proteins and like complex carbs, so, like fruits and vegetables. I mean, like a typical day with paleo would be, and I don't eat this way exactly now because, again, that's the You've fun, more that's the fun right? thing about diet and fitness is that it's it's always evolving. Right. It's, you know, you're learning more, you're growing, Figure you're changing, you. and, and the environment is changing, what we learn. So, um, so back in the day of paleo, I would wake up and I'd have, you know, I'd do um, sweet potato hash, like sweet potatoes in the pan, and I'd dry them out so they were nice and crispy. And then I'd have, you know, half of an avocado or a quarter of an avocado. And then I'd saute some spinach and add some, I loved ground bison. Um, So I'd add that in with it and maybe like a quarter of a diced apple as well. And that would be my breakfast. Is this with eggs or is this just like... No, and every now and again I'd have an egg, but um, I learned... You're just frying all this together. I learned, no, they were all like separate little pieces on my plate. Um... And then, uh, but I had learned way back in those days that eggs were something that I had also responded to. So fast forward six or so years after I had taken that blood sensitivity test in 2000 and, oh, I guess that would have been 13. Um, I realized that I was also still sensitive to eggs. It was the highest responding oh, wow. thing in my blood test as far as sensitivity goes. So um, it makes me very sad because eggs are my absolute freaking favorite um i mean i love them um so now i really only eat them when they're in something so like i'll make waffles for us and i'll you know it has eggs in it and so i'll just i'll make that but um you say us like you and me yeah uh no but i would um but that would be aaron and i um sundays are for waffles and you posted on i saw your waffles recently and what was in those those were like amazing so it's almond flour coconut flour um uh, a little bit of baking soda, vanilla extract, uh, almond milk. Um, Where do you find all this a, stuff? I put a little tapioca flour You're in You're living it to in Green Bay. Can you it. find this in Green Bay? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That stuff's easy to find now. So it's you can go to Whole Foods or eggs. wherever. Yeah, and eggs. Find it. Wow. Yeah. So, um, and then you just mix it up and put it in the waffle maker. Oh, my God. So... And by the way, waffles and pancakes are basically <laughs> the same damn combination. So. Right. It's, you just put it in a different fryer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So you're racing. Tell me some highlights about your racing, because I know a lot of people. I'm sorry. I know, like now you've kind of moved past that. You're you've retired effectively. No, but it's you're, fine. I mean, you know, your, your highlights. Like you won. What, what what have you won? So, so I won in Japan. Your favorite. Yeah. You know, you love, I love those Japan. countries. Um, where, where did you win in Japan? Uh, 
where? Yeah. Well, I was in a town called Motegi, which okay. is about two hours north of Tokyo. Okay. Um, so I won in Japan. Um, that was in the IndyCar series. Uh, and then, you know, the highlight of NASCAR would have been probably qualifying the pole for the Daytona 500 in 2013, wow. which was my first full-time year. Um, you and, know. and that means you were like in the first position for the Daytona 500. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Me and uh, myself, and then uh, outside outside pole was uh, Jeff Gordon, which is cool because That's when huge. I was a kid, yeah. I loved Jeff Gordon. Yeah. And I have pictures of me and my sister and my dad and I at, you know, my mom was there, but she was the one taking the photo. Yeah. Uh, but we were at Charlotte Motor Speedway, and we watched him go around, and then we watched, uh, and then we went to their race shop and took a picture in front of the car. So, oh, Jeff, and I, and I, obviously I know Jeff very well now. Yeah. So, um, but do you have a Jeff Gordon crockpot? I, I, you know what? Do they make that? <laughs> I think I, I think I'll at one point my, I bought a Jeff Gordon crockpot for a friend you know? of mine. Yeah. So, <laughs> sorry, that was a, that was a kind of a dippy question. So. When you're in the pole position for the Daytona 500, which is one of the biggest races in America, in America, and, and people are, you know, it's unusual for a woman to be in that position. Did guys treat you differently be, than they would treat other guys in that position? Was that like intimidating or was that, did you get any, or was it all cool? I mean, how, how did that kind of no, work? No, everybody was always cool with me. Everybody was always nice. Everybody was That's always awesome. polite. I don't ever, I never felt like, uh, I never felt like it. No one ever said anything mean to my face. No one was ever like, hey, we've got a woman in the pole position. We're going to take her out. None of that sort of thing. No, but, you know, they might have thought that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, I think that there have probably been times in, you well, know. Drivers have problems where, with drivers, right? Yeah, Inde- yeah. Independent of gender. It's 100% yeah. true. The drivers have problems with drivers. You have to earn, you have to earn the respect of, you know, the drivers around you, no matter if you're a girl or a guy when right. you're new. Um, but then there are just some that will never earn the respect and that happens girl or guy, but you know, perhaps for me, it might be a little bit more difficult, right? Like that's, that's it. Like it happens, but maybe it's a little more, more difficult. For yeah. Me. I'm, I'm not trying to put it into the conversation if it's, if it wasn't there. It just seems like, you know, for some people that might've been hard to deal with that if you're competing, I mean, how would you have felt? Well, yes. no, I'm just saying like, I mean, I grew up my sister, so I've, three sisters we had three brothers my sister's like my one sister was all american in soccer one was all american swimming and for us the boys and the girls were always playing the same sports together it doesn't mean we i always thought the same thing about them but we always expected them to play at the level we were playing at which really i was not all american they were um oh the girls were probably you know i think they probably played a little higher level because they were (laughs) playing with boys yeah um and i i guess if I was playing on a field in soccer, as an example, you know, where I played at a collegiate level, if there were women on the field, if a girl beat me, especially in the 1980s, I might have felt a little intimidated by that. And yeah. it might, I might have struggled with that personally. I would, I mean, I don't think I that's think a that's, stretch for, for most guys. I think that um, that is probably perfectly normal. And yeah. that's just society, right? That's just culture and society. That's and human beings. Yeah. I don't know. Is that or is that just the cultural sort of... It's where like, we grew up. Yeah. yeah, it's the way we grew up. We don't know any different. Yeah. Um, but whoever decided that, you know, men were more powerful or uh, in some way than, than women at anything. Right. Well, women rule the world, but I'm just saying. I yeah. mean, we really do, but... <laughs> yeah. No, I mean... <laughs> I mean, honestly, who and how did that happen? Was it a, I mean, was it historically, I mean, you're a very smart guy. I mean, you're well-read. I mean, is this like something that came from 
like the stone age of being able to hunt and gather and you know feed the feed the flock at home i mean why 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 is it that you know men would be in any way uh, uh made to feel small or intimidated or feel feel uh, uncomfortable because a, a female was doing something well, no better. it's it's i mean and it's funny when you look at nature right like um the lioness actually does most of the hunting for the family. Um, the praying mantis kills the male after. I mean, look at a black widow. That yeah. bitch is crazy. Yeah, yeah. Hello. No, but so I think, um, you know, there's lots of evidence that the male species isn't always the dominant species. I think in, in you know, typically in the, in the, in the uh, human tribe, uh, the male is larger and so probably assumes a, a dominant role. But, you know, I think the women... I feel like in the animal kingdom, aren't the men usually, the fe- the males more beautiful than the females? To attract the females, aren't they usually, aren't the males usually like the really pretty ones, right? Good question. I I'm not going to so. answer that on the, on the base. Yeah, <laughs> no, I mean, I'm not saying, yeah. you know, Aaron's not pretty, you're not pretty. I mean, you're beautiful people, but, you know... <laughs> well, yeah, no, I mean, sometimes... You don't, you don't have peacock feathers, like... Uh, like. Good point. No, the, the male peacock definitely has the, the, the prettier <gasps> right? feathers. So I think, you know, I think it's a good question. And I think... Um, I'm not an anthropologist. I, I, think, uh, I think men think they're bigger, better, stronger. I think women tend to, in most... Like, I do a lot of business in Asia. Um, Asian women run the homes. Asian women's organize the families or Asian women mm. get most of the mm. shit done in the communities that they mm. live in. And so I think it's an interesting combination of, huh. you know, uh, peacocking and mm, maybe and it's like more private versus public like, making things happen. Yeah. Maybe, maybe the female energy runs the private home, but the <laughs> male energy runs the public, you know, sort of like, yeah, it's like the showman. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. Interesting. Maybe. Good question. But I, I just wonder, I, I really I like, don't have the that's answer. kind of the point in my life. I'm like, where did this dynamic even come from? Right. You know, why, why in the world it, did it, was it ever decided that there was something different between the two? I mean, yeah, there's different, you know, energies, different, um, obviously, you know, women having, you know, being childbearing and, you know, there are different roles. Definitely different roles. But, yeah. you know, whatever created a division in power anywhere along the way, I just think that kind of you know, uh, look back in history is interesting. You know, my favorite thing that happened in our family was, um, we were driving somewhere on a road trip and I think we were listening to NPR and they were talking about power struggles between husband and wives. And, um, our, our second son, Skylar, uh, the first ping who, uh, Kingsley. Oh yes. Okay. And who's Kingsley? Uh, well, some people refer to him as Aaron Rodgers, but that's not his real name, (laughs) but no. So, you know, um, there was this NPR thing about, you know, power struggles in the home. And, and Skylar said to Sarah and I, he said, uh, he said, do you guys have power struggles? And I started, you know, I'm typically have something witty to say. And <laughs> some people would say my wife, maybe not as much, but no, I, I started to say something and Sarah just said to him, she goes, there's no struggle. Meaning like, yeah, she, she didn't feel it. She is the camp director. I'm a camp counselor, often a camper. She, you know, it's it's very clear yeah. who runs our home. Well, um, I mean, there's definitely a difference between the masculine and feminine energy, right? The the masculine totally. energy is the go out and conquer and 
loud and boisterous and then the the female energy is more um, calm. quiet and calm and subtle and nurturing it right and, yeah and nurturing. like kind of runs the show yeah, yeah. so it's they're different energies and so maybe it's just an expression of energy as opposed to really like you know about dominance yeah so you were you're racing you're not feeling a gender thing going on and you're just you're just racing like everybody else more or less as far as you're concerned yeah and uh so now you're 37 mm-hmm. so a young lady <laughs> as far as i'm concerned um and why did you decide to stop racing um yeah i I just, you know, at the beginning of 2017, I had my primary sponsor leave, which is something that I had never been faced with in my career of having any kind of sponsorship problems whatsoever. I always knew who my sponsor was going to be a year or two before the season started. I just was always something I was very fortunate with. And then, so it kind of put me into this position of like initially going, well, is my team going to let me go all of a sudden? Is something going to happen? And then I thought, oh, no, I'm not ready for that. That's ridiculous. No way. I'm not, you know, I want to keep going. And that was almost a good feeling to me because I, I, I never got super excited about the season to come, although I knew it was coming and I was ready. I, I, I didn't get excited. I don't know. That's the only way I can describe it. I didn't get excited. I wasn't like anxious and, whoa, here we go. I'm so ready. Let's go. It was like, I knew it was coming. It was going to be a lot of work. It was going to be stressful. It was going to be difficult. It was going to be physical. It was going to be exhausting. It was going to be emotional. Um, so maybe it was a lot of just knowing what was coming. Um, but I just didn't, you know, that year in 2017, I just, I didn't push. And I had, I, it, I had people asking me if all these other businesses I'd started with my book and my wine and my clothing line, oh, are, is this your backup plan? And I was like, that's kind, but I don't really need one. Like I'm Right. I've You've done, done well very enough. well. Yeah, you I don't, don't need, need another project. I don't need a backup plan. I mean, yeah. these are really just things that I enjoy doing. And so... By the way, um, so you do own... A, you own a vineyard up in the Napa, Napa Valley. Mm-hmm, yeah. And I... You're making wine. And, and, you know, clothing line called Warrior. What's your wine? That, yeah. What's your wine label? Somnium. How do you so spell it means that? S-O-M-N-I-U-M. So it's Somnium. like insomnia, but somnium. So insomnia is like, obviously, you can't sleep. And then somnium is to dream. Wow. When, so, you, when you drink the wine, do you dream better? Uh, 100%. Um, that's what <laughs> that's we're going to do tonight, right? Yeah. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. Um, but Cheers. Uh, um, so <laughs> as you grab the bottle. <laughs> what? Uh, <laughs> There's no alcohol in this podcast. Okay, maybe a little bit. Um, so, uh, I mean, I, I, that was why it's named Somnium is because it means to dream in Latin. And I, you know, thought that, um, okay, cheers. (laughs) That was an artificial that was not added in that. Okay. So then, so Somnium means to dream. So I just thought that having a vineyard would be a dream. So that was why I called it that. So you made the um, dream real. Made the dream a reality. And that's the crazy thing is that, you know, whether it be my career or my winery, or my book, or the workout program, or the clothing line, or any of these things that I've started, um, you know, my speaking engagements, and and all the different things that I'm doing, and and starting a podcast soon enough. Wait, what's your um, podcast? Which is kind be of why we're doing this podcast is because I told you I'm starting a podcast, yeah, we were, and I'm like, we we're gonna I need have dinner tonight, advice. and you were like, hey, tell me about podcasts, and 
and I was like, well, I have a little one, but yeah, you're going to have a huge um, one. It's going to probably start in June. And, and what's um, it called? It's going to be called The Pretty Intense Podcast. The Pretty Intense Podcast. Yeah. It's a so, great name. Um, so it's it's getting rushed through, um, but it's going to be it's going to be really fun. You're going to do video and and yeah, audio, right? It is going to be both. So it'll be on yeah. YouTube and on it's, Spotify yeah, and Apple it, podcasts. You know, I would imagine it will be on all outlets. Yes, yes. Um, so anyway, so um, so that's why we're here today doing this podcast. But um, and and also because I, I'm happy to do it and I love to do it. And you're no, you you asked about we started talking about it and then we were. I was like, let's just do one, and so here we are. No preparation. I know, like, no, no great that's what questions. I said to you. I was, was like, like, I was yeah. like, okay, so right now at this point in time, when I come, when I think about preparing for a podcast, I'm like, okay, what are like my top ten questions? Yeah. And then we just, you just unloaded your backpack with a couple of microphones, and you're like, here we go. And I'm like, I, I mean, yeah. I know we know each other, but the Kick Aspirational Podcast is not as high rent as the uh, <laughs> as the Pretty Intense Podcast. This is a this is down and dirty. You guys, you're going to have something amazing. It's going to be great to watch. Oh, thanks. Well, um, so anyway, with, um, I can't exactly remember where I was going with all this, but I remember, you know, just having all these different things. And, 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 and the point of them all is that they were all just ideas. And they're all just in my head. And I think that's something important for people to realize is that these, you know, the things in your head that are ideas can become reality if you just believe in them enough. And do it. And and just go for it. You know, you just have to you just have to take next steps. And well, there's, I mean, there's to your no, point, you just did this stuff. Yeah, there's no there's no set way to get to the top of any ladder of any. Like you never business, planned right? to be a professional race car no, driver. No, I mean it was like I mean I started racing go karts and I didn't have any idea. I didn't want to do it. You know. Um, but yeah, wait, wait. What did your parents say to you recently? You were like, "Why did I race carts?" And what did they say to you? Like, didn't they say because you needed something? Well, I mean, I, you know, I had told my dad that, you know, like I think it was coming to an end, and and I'm okay with that, and you know, I mean, it's like I have, you know, other things that I really love to do, and he's like, I know, and like he just really like <laughs> acknowledged that I had other things that I love to Even do, this and he just kind of was really like. I, I, I know, and I'm like, wow, that's, you know. Because you were never you'd super be, passionate about it, right? Someone you'd be presumably right? nervous to tell something like that, too, who is so invested. And my dad probably loves more racing more than I do. Right. And, you know, thinking he's going to be disappointed or, you know, defensive in some way. But he was very, like, um, he just saw me, right? And he just saw me for what I am and, and also acknowledged and respected what I had done. And he's like, you know, you needed a job and you were good at it. And so racing was the thing. Yeah. And you, weren't, you didn't wake and up. And that's on, kind yeah. of why, I, while I, I loved racing, look, I wouldn't have yeah. done it for 27 years if I didn't, if you didn't love, love it. it. But yeah. what I really loved about it wasn't racing. Does that make sense? Was it winning? So it was, yeah, well, it was about setting a goal and achieving it. Cool. And so it was about, you know, um, working hard and it was about growth and the, 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 progression. the journey. Yeah, yeah. Um, progression, yes. So, um, you know, for me, that was that was always the joy. The joy is in the journey, is a saying, and that was totally true for me. And so, um, and I always was, you know, so relieved in the accomplishments along the way. Um, but they were never by any means like excitement or like, yeah. yeah. I mean, when I won in Japan, it was like a relief. It wasn't excitement. It was a relief. Like you were, you're, yeah. like, like a graduation. Like I expected that yeah. to happen because that was my goal. Cool. And so, you know, I can do that in other and on other platforms. Right. Um, so um, my personality is not just, I love racing, period. That's it. I'm just a racer. Right. Like my personality is, I love to set goals and achieve them. I love to 
Uh, and then, so I can do that in so many different ways. So I feel like sometimes people look at me and, you know, maybe hear me say that I, those things are, or, you know, put some thought to it and think, oh, you don't love it. I oh, know I loved it. Like I loved it because that was my platform. Sure. But I can make other things my platform. Well, and I think like, so I was, I told you this and I sent you a little video. I was playing tennis with our guy here, like the Lebowski of tennis in Laguna, mm-hmm. this guy, Lanny, who's like, he's just so epic. Like he's a total like spiritual gangster and he was i don't know why he said it to me maybe he knows i don't i mean i was just i showed up on the tennis courts and he was like i have to tell you like maybe paul hamilton had told him we were with you guys in austria i can't remember but um he said to me he goes you know i just have to tell you i stopped i used to love watching racing I stopped watching racing when Danica stopped racing because I was so inspired to see a woman do so well. And, you know, I, I wanted, I made him say it again and shoot a shot a video and send it to you. That was I thought super that was, sweet. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was cool. But I think there's a lot of people that love, that have loved seeing you race because it inspired them to do more than they ever thought they could because mm-hmm. you, you know, you look, you're not like physically, you, your stature isn't huge. Right. And even smaller in real life. <laughs> True, right? But no, I mean, I mean TV you, kind of generalizes. But you're strong everybody. and powerful and brave, and you dominated this sport. Mm-hmm. You know, for particularly for a, a woman, but in general, I mean, you were pole position. You won yeah, races. Yeah. You, well, you can't yeah. last that long without being, you know, reasonable, right? No, and, and I think, but I think, you know, look, there are things you had to do to perform at that level. You had to eat differently. You had to change your workouts, right? You had to. Sacrifice, time, location, you know, schedule. And I think for a lot of people, okay, great. Like none of us, you know, 99 point whatever, 99 point, you know, 0.999% of us are never going to perform at a level athletically like you have. Um, But I think you're sharing a lot of the tools that you use, your diet, your exercise, the things you're doing now. Yeah that can help all of us perform at a higher level. Well, you know, those things, yes, are important. Even if we cheat ourselves even more so beyond all that is your mindset. Right. It really is. I mean, look, there so, are so, people... So tell me about that. What's the, yeah, tell me I about mean, the connection between the mindset and the things you actually do. There are people in racing that don't yeah. work out. There are people right. in racing that have shitty diets. I mean, that, that that's real. <laughs> There's people that actually drink the beer all the day. Right, time, yeah. and drink the, you know, sodas, and, you know, they drink, they eat poor food. You know, they yeah. make poor choices, and... Um, you know, they're not thinking about the long term, and when you're younger, it's fine. But, um, but yeah, there's there's people that 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 is the way they live, but they're fantastic drivers still. And so, you know, what does that come down to? Well, now you're looking at just mindset. You're looking at well, you know your ability, your confidence, your focus. You know, yeah, your focus, and and um, and so I, I mean, I just always really believed that I was capable. I really, I just always have always believed I was capable. So when I came back from England in 2001, 98, 99, 2000, yeah, 2001, and I didn't have a ride I, for all the rest of 2001 and the first, half, like, three quarters of 2002, or 2000, yeah, 2000, hang on, 2000. Yeah, 2002, because 2003 and four I drove Atlantic. You know, basically for two years almost, I didn't have a ride. And so it would be easy for me to think that I wasn't going to be successful or I wasn't going to make it and I better figure something else. But I just always knew and believed that it was going to work out. I shouldn't have. 
right? Yeah. Like in all scenarios, I shouldn't, I shouldn't have believed that it was possible, but I did. And so, you know, beyond the physical, beyond all that, you should really just believe that um, you need to believe in something. And so we were talking earlier about meditation tonight and, yeah. and just the power of that. And while it's very difficult to make that consistent and make that a routine, you know, what I was thinking to myself the other day was that, you know, I was thinking how, you know, about reprogramming your brain. So, you know, to, to create new patterns mentally that become routine for you and become the norm. And so, you know, the idea is that you, you tell yourself something new, right? You tell yourself, you, you put your, you really, but you have to really believe it that, okay, this is the new mindset. This is what I believe. I believe that this I am next this. Step, next level. I believe that I am this. I believe that I'm capable of this. I believe and I know and I can see it and visualize it moving forward. But there's almost like this haze over the front of it and this like, like almost like a, a door that's locked that makes you feel like you can't even envision that because you really don't believe in some, some level or like it's just too difficult or it's like you just can't get through. And so I was like, it, it dawned on me like an epiphany all of a sudden. I was like, oh my God, this is where meditation comes in because where meditation comes in, you pull the ego out of the equation and you go, oh my gosh, I can get rid of this, this the heavy layer of conditioning socially to say, that, that says that I can't do these things or it's not normal or I haven't done them and go, oh, now the, now I can unlock the door. Now I just have to walk through it now that I'm past that point of like all the haze of conditioning and go, now I'm in this quiet space. Now I'm in this peaceful spot where I'm not, I'm not like clouded with um, perceptions and uh, opinions and conditioning and now I'm just like being much more I'm just being much more and now all of a sudden I can I can go now I can visualize these things a little easier so I don't know it was an epiphany the other day so I decided that the easiest time to do it is in the morning so luckily I wake up at the butt crack of dawn every day so <laughs> I have you know time by myself in the morning quite often and so um, so I feel like that's maybe the easiest time if you don't meditate is just in the morning to go like before anything really starts happening is that you just start to really visualize what it is that you want for yourself. Right. So you're, you're doing interior work Yeah. in order to make the exterior change. Yeah. It's just, I'm just rewiring. So when you get to a point where you're saying I've done everything I can physically, nutritionally, et cetera, yeah. and I can't get to the yeah. next level, that's when you have to dig in into the interior life, meditation, yeah. like what's my ego doing to hold me back from this next thing I need to go mm -hmm. hit? And what's my conditioning? What's my mental programming doing that's holding me back? So your next best self, So next step, I'm going to dunk a basketball and I'm going to become, because <laughs> in my mind, I can do it all of a sudden. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> You know what's crazy though is I truly believe that if you really like it's like when you watch um, The Matrix yeah. and like Ben the Spoon, you know? Yeah. I I kind of believe that anything is possible if you actually truly believe it. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. I'm five foot one and I know I can't dunk a basketball. Well, no, and I'm I'm 50 so, years old and I have two but, herniated discs right now because I've been trying to do things that I think uh, I can do. But I need a little I, neo in my life. You know, yeah, neo. maybe I need some more you know meditation and yoga in my life. But it's I think it's you know there's points where I think our bodies or our our environment signals that we need to make other changes if we're going to progress regardless of where we are and maybe even shift direction a little bit right maybe there's things we need to be doing 
directionally differently or or um shifting you mean our focus or you mean physically no i mean th- there's times where like you know you th- you've been I'm, I'm older so you know as you're going down a road you're like well i can just keep going down this way and progressing and all of a sudden your body's like nope like you're gonna have to if you want to progress to the next level like for example in surfing skiing whatever yeah. um you're not going to get there just by forcing your way through physically like you used to. You're going to have to change your, you know, either your, um, the way that you're approaching this or the way you're thinking about it or the way that you're doing it because you can't just, you know, with pure physicality work your way through it. You're going to have to mentally shift. You're going to have to change your form, et cetera. Um, uh, Yeah, it just, it's, it's great to, it's inspiring to hear you talk about this because, you know, well, it's a kick-aspirational podcast, so yeah. But I also think, like, as we age and progress, <laughs> yeah. you know, nothing progress never happens in a straight line, right? And you know, when we hit brick walls or we hit glass ceilings, it's all about figuring. Okay, well, I'm not going to be able to keep going this way to get through, and I'm going to find another way, a flanking yeah. strategy. And that's when typically the interior work is going to help us figure out how we get through around. Yeah. you know and, and figure out the there's that thing. great like you know meme picture of you know our idea of point a to point b in the progression and it looks like a linear line right. heading it's never, north yeah, it's never and then the actual line goes up and goes down and goes up and goes down and goes up 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 and then go way down and right. back up and down and then but but eventually there's more ups than downs and you end up at your ultimate well, you know landing spot where you want to be but it's never as pretty as you think and no um, but there's something thing that I also like to point out to people is that, you know, there's really never, there's, there's never, I don't know, I, never is a big word, but, you know, there's, in my experience, not growth before there's pain. Right. right? So there's always going to be some level of discomfort or pain before there is growth. And that pain may be physical sure like if you think about it from a muscular standpoint working like, out or you know, yeah. right, your Doing muscles squats, are sore and then, they, yeah. and then they recover and grow but you know there's also emotional and you know so and, and ego, sometimes that can pain. Yeah. and that can manifest into physical and i've experienced that right. um but there there is that emotional pain that feels very uncomfortable and and um you know so if you want something you've never gonna never had you're gonna have to do something you've never done and that's the discomfort sometimes is like oh wow i'm actually gonna have to say no to the pizza this time like okay isn't that part of, the, part of the joy like i mean i think you know the great thing about as you know you were a very successful athlete as a young person when you're used to the seeing the the combination of you know risk and reward or going through the pain the physical pain to get to the next level you start to connect those things right so yeah. like i mean part of the reason that in my 50s i still love pushing myself and you know hurting myself at times is because I connect those things I know that if I work really hard in mm-hmm. the gym or where whatever I'm doing I'm going to see hopefully receive <laughs> see results later and not just you know mm-hmm. um you know not just injury physical and emotional though right yeah I th- mean that's what I always hope for my like my workout program is yes you're going to lose weight yes you're going to tone up yes you're going to look better but hopefully you grow confident in the process. You, right. know, you not only grow physically, but emotionally. Yeah, and I, and I think, in, in, you know, there's a lot of different ways we grow. And I think in, in whether it's physically or whether it's, you know, you have to kill your ego a little bit to get to the next level because, you, you know, you realize that your ego won't get you there and, you, you know, um, being selfless will maybe help you 
mm-hmm. you know, be, become a more fully formed human. It's that connection of um, breaking things down to get to the next level sometimes is ultimately where, I mean, the way we get stronger muscles is by breaking them down mm-hmm. and then they rebuild and then yeah. that's ultimately where yeah. you become better. Yeah. And it's the same thing with your ego. It's yeah. the same thing with, yeah. in, in, you know, any emotional, yeah, all of it. And, and I, there has to be a breakdown before a breakthrough. And so, it's just common. It's right. just the, this is the way of it. And so I think, uh, you know, for this podcast where we talk about being aspirational, it's about breaking through barriers. A lot of times to break through a barrier, it's never a straight line. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's think about it. To get if right. you want to be kick ass and inspirational, yeah. you're going to have to do things that are uncomfortable for you. If you stay right in your comfort zone, which, you know, if we're just going to really like dumb this down and generalize, I mean, if you just want to sit in front of your TV and watch, watch it all day and night and do nothing and right. never step outside the world, I mean, that's easy, right? But sure. you're not going to grow and you're not going to evolve from that, right? So you, you get off anywhere. the couch and then you go out and learn how to do this. And I did that and I talked to this person. I did that. And then I thought maybe I should try this. And, you know, there's, there's just, you know, you just have to get off the couch. You I mean, I'm using that figuratively, but... You gotta try some new things. You gotta scare yeah, yourself a little bit. You gotta exactly. push yourself past your exactly. Your, just your fear, yeah. you know, you know, old Jim Carrey, yes man. Just start <laughs> saying yes, you know, and try things. Try and some you things. never know what you might love. And I actually, you know, ironically, here we are, kind of probably getting to a wrap up of some sort. But that actually is how I would describe how I got into racing. Was that when I was a kid, like I tried everything. I tried volleyball, basketball, cheerleading, band, choir, track. I mean, I just did everything, t-ball, coach pitch. And one of them was racing. And so if you don't try things, you'll just never know what it is that you truly love. Never and some, find it. sometimes you just have to be exposed to it just a little bit. And um, I know racing is a pretty unique one and not as super, as not as accessible really, but, you know, step outside your comfort zone and try things because you never know what you might fall in love with and what you might love and what might end up being your passion and being something that, um, you know, motivates you. And that leads me to kind of another thing is that, you know, that I've been discovering lately is that the things that, the things that energize you are meant for you. So I feel like anyone can probably relate to, you know, you do something and it just feels exhausting. It feels draining. It feels like, like for me, when I walk into like, you know, the, what is the lighting in a building called? Like, isn't there a color like the, Oh yeah. The, um, yeah, that like uh, the ultra, no, I don't know. It's like in, the yellow, incandescent lights, yeah, yeah. Incand- like when I come into that lighting and there's no windows to the outside, and it's like uh, certain things like that drain, just drain your soul, me, just yeah, drain yeah. me. Like I am purely exhausted, and then you know, I can go outside and be hiking for hours, or I can go and do something inspirational, you know, outside or with people or training them or teaching them something and, you know, have the garage doors open in the CrossFit gym. And, you know, I can go for all, I can, I can go for hours and hours and hours and feel energized or talk to someone or do a podcast. You're stoked. And, yeah. and you like, you're, you're energized by it instead of drained by it. And so let the energizing versus drained guide you in the direction of what it is that you're meant for. And I know that it gets hard. It's hard at first because you don't really know because you think this is my job or this is what I have to do. But it really isn't. It is whatever you want to make that. And 
I'm not, I don't want that to sound too easy. I know it's not no, always that easy. it's the positive easy, energy in your life, right? But it's, but it's about inviting into your life or asking or manifesting into your life certain things that you, that are really for you. So just kind of like be aware of the things that energize you versus drain you because, um, you know, I think that is a good, um, a good advice as a, as a, as a little guiding light through your life as to, you know, perhaps certain things that are calling you. That's sage advice. <laughs> so what is, what is the name of your a podcast? sage once said. Yeah. What's, what's the name of your, pod, of your it's, new podcast? Uh, it's going to be called the Pretty Intense Podcast. Pretty Intense Podcast. Yeah. Uh, you have the Pretty Intense Workout. I have the Pretty Intense Book. They the came Pretty out. Intense Book. Yeah. Um, hopefully the Pretty Intense Workout Program will become an app. I'd like to do that. Um, and then maybe there'll be a pretty intense cooking book that's on its own because again, the book is three parts. It's the mind body, it's the physical with the workouts and it's the cooking with the recipes. So, you know, I've always envisioned, and again, this is just in my head, but you know, let's, you know, as they, they kind of manifest, the mind body is really manifesting into the podcast right now. Um, then the workouts could become the, you know, um, app and then the cookbook or the cooking show or something like that could be the cooking part of it. I've always envisioned them all taking on their own sort of life. Sure. And so, um, so yeah. So next step podcast. Well, that's very exciting. I'm a talker. Blah, no, blah, blah, this blah, is blah. pretty intense. It's awesome. We love it. This is, uh, this helps. I think this can help a lot of people break through some barriers in their life. It's, uh, follow the positive energy. You know, the when, you need to when do. I was finishing up my racing career, um, one of the one of the things that for me was very important and something that I didn't want to lose is the ability to inspire. And I'm not saying that what I have to say is like gospel in any way or like it's just the way or it's just it's just my experience. But, you know, I had this wonderful experience of just driving and having just that be inspirational. And um, I was always grateful for that and um, always felt that was very, like a very unique position to be in. And so I felt like it was my duty to use this uh, unique ability that I was given to continue to do that uh, and to inspire through that platform. But I realized that, you know, that wasn't something that was that was calling me anymore and that I could still inspire through other mediums. And so, um, you know, it's appreciated that you say that that's inspirational or hopefully will be because that, that really is my goal. It's it's fantastic. And, um, I hope we, hope we get to continue this conversation. That was, uh, that was, you know, I think everyone's going to really benefit from, uh, thinking about how positive energy can help them reach, yeah. their High next vibes. pinnacle yeah super cool well this is the kick aspirational podcast it's not a spectator sport uh, please reach out with questions comments and uh, ways that this may or may not have helped you we'd love to hear it all and whatever you do this week please be kick aspirational